You're listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby, Director of Torch, the Torah Outreach Resource Center of Houston. This is the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. Welcome back to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast. It's wonderful to see all of you and beginning our week together, starting our week in a way of inspiration. We left off the past couple of weeks, we were discussing the idea, the trait of honor. And what is honor? Honor, we said, is the is the respect that we give to other people, but also the respect that we have for ourselves. We mentioned this, I think, twice in the previous weeks, that it is impossible to respect someone else if you don't respect yourself. It is impossible for us to honor other people if we don't honor ourselves. We cannot love others if we don't love ourselves. So it is incumbent on us to really get work done with knowing ourselves, getting getting aware of ourselves so that we can then connect with others in a proper way. So what is honor? Honor, we, you know, the Talmud teaches us in Tractate Kiddushin, goes into great lengths of the honor that is required on a child to their parents. It's one of the Ten Commandments, the fifth of the Ten Commandments. We have honor that is required for the elderly. So anybody who's over the age of 70, our Torah, the Torah commands in Leviticus that you are required, you should stand up before them. And you should give honor to the elderly. Right, so you stand up if you you know on a bus. If an elderly person uh, gets on the bus, you stand up and give them your seat. If you're at the library, you give them your seat. And wherever wherever you are, that is your obligation to honor the elderly. Now, it's not only honoring them by standing up for them, but it's also honoring them by whatever they need. Okay, the Talmud qualifies exactly to what degree we need to go to honor people. Uh, and the Talmud even says that about a non-Jew over the age of 70, we are required, we are obligated to give them due respect and due honor. Why? So we mentioned this numerous times because in Judaism, the number one value we have, the number one, sorry, the number one thing we value is wisdom. And someone who's lived life 70 years has wisdom has 70 years of life's experience. And our commentaries explain in the Talmud that it is a very, very important thing for us to show proper respect even to non-Jews. And we see that, and and not only to a Torah scholar, even someone who's not so righteous, you also need to give that proper uh, respect to. The very interesting that it says that the, 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 the Talmudic sages, the Tanaic sages would stand up would give a hand, would give their, their, it says that one of the great sages would be like the support or like the cane for one of the elderly Gentiles. Not necessarily a righteous scholar, but, you know, the Tanaic sage would, why? Because we respect and we cherish wisdom. And because they carry wisdom as well, notwithstanding where they come from or the lifestyle that they lived, Still, that's something that we value very, very much, and it's something that we honor. 
Okay, so now let's go a little bit further into the idea of honor. We see many stories throughout the Torah that teach us about honor. Many stories. And let's let, we'll we'll look at a few of them. So first is again the Mishnah says the Mishnah says you know the Torah says you should you should love your fellow like yourself. And we mentioned if you don't love yourself you can't love others. The Mishnah says in Ethics of Our Fathers chapter two Mishnah ten it says kvod the honor of your fellow should be as Precious to you as your own. What does that mean? That if you don't honor yourself, if you don't have a self-dignity, there's no way you can honor and dignify others. You understand that? The Mishnah is going in the same vein as the Torah goes. On You have to love your fellow like yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't love others. If you don't honor yourself, if you don't respect yourself, you can't honor or respect others. We know that the terrible tragedy befell Rabbi Akiva's 24,000 students. Why? Because they lacked respect for one another. They lacked the due respect, the due honor that was required for one another. What does that mean? Now we understand. If they don't respect themselves enough, then certainly they don't respect others enough. If someone honors and respects themselves appropriately, they will have the proper respect, hopefully, for others. Now, if someone gets carried away and only is busy trying to collect honor for themselves, right? that's not a virtuous uh, trait. That's not a good thing, and the, the mission already tells us that anyone who runs and seeks honor, the honor runs away from them. So that's not what we're looking for either. But to have the proper respect and dignity and honor for ourselves so that we can honor others. Rabbi Kiva's students didn't have for themselves the proper respect. So how do you expect them to honor others? And that was the reason for the plague that Talmud tells us because they didn't have the proper respect for one another. And that starts at home. Our children, we can't expect them to make other people feel good if they don't feel good about themselves. We can't expect them to compliment others if they don't feel complimented. You understand it's very difficult for a person who doesn't feel secure in their own character, in their own being, to properly you know, give accolades and give respect and honor to others. Okay. We also see that the students of Beis Hillel and Beit Shammai, the students of Hillel and Shammai, the, the law, the Talmud says in Eruvin, that the law always goes according to the house of Hillel. Why? Two reasons. Number one, is that they always listen to the opinion of Shammai first. So Hillel, we know, we know, we have these Hillel houses around in, on camp, college campuses. We know a lot about Hillel. We don't know much about Shammai. Shammai was a very, very, you know, a big group of scholars, a big yeshiva of scholars. They weren't, you know, lightweights, but the halacha always sided with Hillel. Why? Because Hillel always listened to Shammai first. And the second thing they did is that they reviewed the opinion of Shammai. They said, maybe they're right. Maybe they have a good, maybe they, maybe their perspective is correct. 
So they didn't only listen, but they, they tried to internalize these ideas. They tried to see maybe there's merit to what they're saying. And in so doing, they only merited more and more goodness uh, to their side, So, th- right? Because they respected, they honored the other opinion that gave them the, the, the ability to see things clearly. We see the idea of uh, a similar idea in, in Genesis where Jacob, when he meets his brother Esau, he meets his brother Esau, what does he tell him? Ko Omar Avdecha Yaakov. So says your servant Jacob. He honors him. He makes himself smaller. He honors his brother, his older brother, and he says, your servant, this is what he says. And he talks to him in third person with respect. And the idea here, again, being to give the due respect that is required. We see with Rachel and Leah. Rachel, our matriarch Rachel, that all of our redemption is in her merit. An incredible, incredible uh, midrash tells us that all of the great patriarchs and matriarchs begged for the future redemption of the Jewish people to be in their merit. Abraham says, I was ready to offer my son as a sacrifice, the binding of Isaac. Isaac says, I was willing to be the sacrifice. It should be in my merit. And Jacob says, look what I did. I ran away for 20 years to avoid conflict with my brother. And look at my suffering with my son, of uh, my son uh, Joseph. And Joseph says it should be in my merit. Look, I was sold to Egypt. Every single one of the patriarchs and matriarchs and the tribes, they all wanted that the future redemption of the Jewish people should be in their, their merit. Sarah, Rebecca, Leah, until it comes to Rachel. And God says, Rachel, in your merit, I'm going to redeem the Jewish people. I'm going to save the Jewish people from their final exile in your merit. Why? Because imagine this. This is what happened. Jacob loves Rachel And he starts working for seven years to merit her hand in marriage. That's her father says, that's the the agreement, okay? Laban, her father, was a trickster, and he would not allow Rachel, the younger sister, to get married before the older sister, Leah. And he switched the brides under under the chuppah. He switched the brides. It was going to be Rachel, and it turned out it was Leah. Now, Jacob anticipated this, so he gave Rachel a code. And he told her, under the chuppah, I'm going to ask you for the code. And that way I know that your father is not going to trick me and switch wives. So Rachel knows this. Imagine now, you're, you're sitting at the wedding. We're all guests at that wedding. And Leah's walking down that chuppah, not Rachel. And the invitation said, you're invited to the wedding of Jacob and Rachel. And everyone's there excited to be at the wedding of Jacob and Rachel. And behold, she sees her sister's going to walk down the chuppah instead of her. And Jacob's going to ask her for the codes, and she's not going to know the codes. And she's going to be embarrassed. And Jacob's going to say, you see, Laban, you're a fraud. You tried to switch them on me. 
She doesn't want her sister to be embarrassed in front of all of the guests. So she tells her the codes. She says, Jacob's going to ask you for the codes. These are the codes. And under the chuppah, Jacob indeed asks, and it was Leah. God says, to be so selfless, to be so caring of the honor of someone else, it is in your merit that the Jewish people will be redeemed. And to, to the point where we say, Min stop crying, Rachel, God says. And stop shedding tears. Because there's a great reward for your action, for your selflessness. That your children will come back to the land of Israel. They will be redeemed from this exile. In your merit, Rachel. Because she didn't let her sister's honor fall down. She took it as if it was her own. An amazing thing. She gave her the codes. She gave her her life. She knew her father was a scoundrel. Her father was a, was a, uh, a, a cheat. She knew that this would be the end of her life. She knew that Jacob would never work for her father another seven years to marry her. And for all she knew, she was giving up everything. Just so that the honor of her sister shouldn't be defamed. That's greatness. She's ready to give up her entire life for her sister. It says, the Talmud says, that one should be willing to go into a burning furnace not to embarrass someone else. That's to mean, meaning end your life. And that's what Rachel's ready to do. Just so that her sister not be embarrassed. That's greatness. That's true honor. We see also that Leah was rewarded because she cried not to have a seventh boy. You know, she had six of the boys. So six of the 12 tribes were Leah's. She cried. She said, I don't want to have the seventh because then my sister Rachel won't have at least two of the tribes. I don't want my sister to be embarrassed. So Leah cried not to have the seventh, and that was her daughter. The seventh child that she had was her daughter, Dina. She shouldn't have less than her maidservants. Her maidservants, the Midrash tells us, right? Bilha and Zilpa also had two boys each that were of the tribes. She didn't want her sister Rachel to have less than the maidservants. So she cried to the Almighty, please, Save the dignity of my sister. Save her honor. She shouldn't have less than my maidservants. Give her at least two, at least two sons to be of the tribes. We see also that Joseph didn't want to embarrass his brothers. So when he revealed himself to his brothers, telling them, Ani Yosef, I am Joseph, your brother, that you sold me to Egypt. God sent me. What did he do before that? He he emptied out the room. He sent out all of the Egyptians. He was concerned for the honor, for the dignity 
of his brothers. What do you mean? His brothers? Do you know what they did? They sold him, a young boy. They sold him to Egypt. He deserves all of the revenge in the world to take it all out on his brothers. And yet, he didn't. He saves their dignity. He saves their honor. He sends out all of the Egyptians from the room and he says to them, I need some private time with these individuals. And in that room, when it's only his brothers, when it's only the tribes of Israel, Joseph reveals to them, I am Joseph, your brother, that you sold to Egypt. But don't worry. Even then, he doesn't, he doesn't punch them and hurt them and insult them. He says that God sent me to Egypt. Don't beat yourselves up. It wasn't you. It's true, you actually did it. But it wasn't really you. I know you wouldn't have done it. It was God who sent me here. You know, the students of Rabbi Eliezer came to him and said, give us the the key to a successful life. Give us the key to what we need to be successful in life. You know what he said? He's haru b'chvot chavreichem. Right? He says, be cautious, be careful with the honor of your friends. And with this, you will merit to the world to come. That was what Erbeliezer's guidance was to his to his uh, students. That's it. Just be careful with your friend's honor, with your friend's dignity, just as you do your own. You're, we're all concerned about our own honor, right? We don't want our friends to insult us, our neighbors. to. We don't want someone to even take our, our spot. At, at We're waiting at Starbucks or we're waiting at the bank or we're waiting at, at uh, UPS to drop off a package and someone cuts us in line. Excuse me, right? Why are you taking my space? Why are you taking my, not my space, but why are you taking my turn? Wait online properly. Oh, you don't respect me. Just know that the honor that you give to others is your key to the world to come. The dignity, even if someone's wrong, even if our children do something wrong, we have to be very, very careful to ensure that we don't embarrass them. Embarrass them to save. I, 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 I was just telling my, my, my daughter this uh, on Shabbos. She was saying she was correcting one of her siblings, one of my children. And uh, she said something which was what a, a sibling would typically say, right? Not something uh, wrong, something which is correct but guiding her younger sibling, this is something you don't do. So I was, I was just telling her that you did the right thing, but I want you to learn to say it in a nicer, more gentle way so that you save their dignity. You don't have to crush them, right? Just save their dignity. And she got it. She's like, oh, there's, this, there's a way to correct someone without destroying them. There's a way to correct them to, even if you need them, we're going to talk about this in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about 
rebuke, love and rebuke. How to rebuke someone? You have to first love the person and care about the person. And when you have the proper love, care and concern for them, then you'll find it easy to reprimand them in a way that is effective, a way that is helpful for them. Instead of just beating them, a way that is dignified, a way that they don't feel, I'm just a lowlife, I'm a nobody, I'm a nothing. Look at me. Can't believe I made such a foolish mistake. Okay, so I think it's 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 important for us to think about it. Rabbeinu Yonah, one of the great, great uh, early sages, he says when you honor others, you're essentially honoring yourself. You're causing them to honor you without them even knowing, right? Who is honored? Because the Mishnah says, who is honored? He who honors others. When you honor other people, you're giving honor to yourself in a way. You're showing that you're dignified. You're showing that you're worthy of honor, right? We know that a convert once came to Hillel and he said to him, teach me Torah while I'm standing on one foot. Teach me all of Torah, right? So Shammai kicked him out and said, get it, get it, get out of here. What did Hillel say? Hillel said, sorry, he said the principle, right, that the whole Torah stands on based on the verse of the Torah of love your fellow like yourself, but that's not what he said. He said it in a different way. He said, what you hate, don't do to your friend, which means... We hate when people insult us. Don't do it to your friend. We don't like when people disrespect us. Don't do it to others. We we don't like when we're cheated. Don't do that to others. If we understand what not to do because we don't like it, we won't do it to others. Do you know what else? Think of it one more step further. It's not only to our fellow, the Almighty. The Almighty is a giver. The Almighty gives and gives and gives and gives constantly. Endless giving from the Almighty. Right? How nice or how good is it if we don't have that proper respect for the Almighty, for all of the good that He gives us? If potentially, God forbid, we don't have the proper respect for God. If we don't like to be disrespected. If we gave our children and our children didn't say thank you, we would try to educate them to say thank you. That's what we do. They have to learn. Where are their parents? You think if the Almighty gives us food... He doesn't deserve a thank you. God doesn't get insulted. God doesn't have his feelings hurt. But the idea that if you understand what you dislike, if you connect to yourself and understand yourself well, you'll understand the ways of the Almighty. You'll understand. For example, we see that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are each identified in our Amidah, in our our Shemona Esrei, that we say three times a day, morning, afternoon, and evening. We say, Elokei Avram, 
Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Why doesn't it just say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Because each one was able to identify and relate to the Almighty through their own characteristics. Abraham says, I'm a man of kindness. I love doing acts of kindness. One second. Look at this world. Look at God's kindness. Jacob. Jacob says, I'm a man of truth. Look around the world. Look at God's truth. Look how God has a big plan and he executes his plan properly according to the true judgment. They identify the Almighty through their own character. There was no Torah given yet, but they were able to figure out that Torah by getting to know themselves because we all have godliness within us. We all have the ability to be great people. If the more we identify our own character, the more dignified we are, the more we see godliness within us. The way in which we talk, the way in which we walk, the way in which we act, this is all a representative of that godliness. And what Hillel was telling that convert, if you don't like it, God probably doesn't like it either. You don't like when someone insults you? You don't like when someone is disrespectful? You don't like when someone says nasty things to you? Neither do others. Don't do it to others. The Almighty doesn't neither like it. Okay? We all have this moral compass within us. And if we don't corrupt it too much, right, we can still get back to what God really wants. And we can know it deep inside. It says that Rabbi Yochum and Zakai, no one ever greeted him before he greeted them. I remember there was a rabbi, I've said this before, there was a rabbi where I grew up in Muncie, in New York. Uh, there was a rabbi who, Rabbi Cantor of blessed memory, he he would walk as like, oh, he was a real righteous Torah scholar, a real righteous Jew. He had a smile, a beautiful smile. And typically on Shabbos, I mean, I remember learning this Mishnah where it says that Rabbi Yochum would always greet others before they would greet him. It says, you always, you always preempt your friend in saying hello. Be the first to say hello. And he really exemplified this. I mean, you'd be 30 feet away walking towards him on Shabbos. I mean, we'd be walking around the whole community. People would be walking all around, going from one kiddish to another kiddish, going from, from one synagogue, walking home. It'd be like the streets are covered with people, right? It was really beautiful. And you'd see Rabbi Cantor, and you couldn't get a good Shabbos in before he said it to you. You would always say it first. Always greet everyone first with a beautiful smile. And that's part of, again, giving proper due respect, due, uh, due honor to our fellow man. Right? That's, that's the way the Torah wants us to conduct ourselves. How does Aaron speak to his younger brother Moshe? 
He says, be Adoni, please, my master. See, younger brother. Right, what do people typically do to, about, to their younger brothers, right? Eh, they can fight. They can tease each other. They can do, th- right? Be Adoni, please, my master. There needs to be a proper respect and an honor, understanding. He might be younger than me in years, but he may be older than me in knowledge. He may be older than me in, in experience. He may, may be older than me in many other areas. Be Adoni, please my master. Recognizing he's the leader of the Jewish people. He's the one that God chose to be the leader of the Jewish people. So I may not like it so. This is what the Almighty chose. God chose Moses as the leader of the Jewish people. Aaron doesn't diminish even by one iota. Whatever Moses says is what Aaron Aaron follows because he's the leader of the Jewish people. We also see the Mishnah says not to cut into your friend's words. Your friend is talking, let them finish. Don't interrupt them. Why? Honor. If you look at the Torah, the Torah is a book of honor. It's a book of dignity. We see this. We just mentioned last week, two weeks ago, last week's Torah portion of Mishpatim. We see the dignity that is that is afforded a slave. You only have one pillow, you give the pillow to the slave. You only, you only have one stake, doesn't go for the master, it goes for the servant. You know why? Think of this person. This person didn't have enough money to pay back a debt. So what does he do? He gets sold in the market to a Jewish slave master. The Jewish slave master pays up that debt and now has his, his, his uh, slave for however long this, this uh, agreement was, three months, six months, up to six years. Because in the sabbatical year, all the slaves, the Jewish slaves go free. It's an amazing thing. Here's a guy who grew up in the community. Now he's a slave at someone's house. Do you know how he must be feeling? Doesn't want, to, doesn't want anyone to see him. Doesn't want anybody to know that he's a slave. He feels bad enough as is. And now it's only going to add to the disgrace of his current status when his master has one steak and the master eats it. When the master has one pillow and blanket and the master has it. No. The master has to give him. The master has to give it to the servant, to the slave. He has to give it to him. You sleep on the comfortable bed. You use the pillow and blanket, the only one that we have in this house. To what? Lift him up a little. Raise him up a little. Let him feel dignified. Let him feel like he's worth something. Let him feel like a human being. So over the last three weeks, we've been talking so much about the value of a human being. We don't have value by money. We have value by honor. The Almighty, we say kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. Right? Regarding the Almighty. 
Because why is God holy? Because the whole land is filled with his honor. The holiness is determined by the honor, by the dignity, by the respect that we have for things. The honor and respect we have for a Torah scroll, when it gets removed from the ark, we all stand up. Right? We discussed on Friday in our Talmud class, we're talking right now about the topic of honor. The respect when you stand up for someone, you don't just like do a little stand. You stand up fully till they pass. A righteous scholar, a rabbi of a synagogue, we stand up fully. Give them the proper respect. We have to be very cautious because a Torah scholar is not someone who's just a person. He's someone who represents Torah. He represents the Almighty's teachings. That commands respect. Even if you don't like the person, it doesn't make a difference. But, like like we mentioned last week, if a Torah scholar doesn't have respect for himself, if he has a, a stain on his clothes, what does the Talmud tell us? He's liable to death. Why? You don't respect what you represent. You're a Torah scholar and you don't respect who you are? You don't respect what you carry? What is that worth? So we it comes from us beginning to recognize, you know what? I'm a great person, capable of unbelievable greatness. You know, in the in the in the great yeshivas of uh, of your back in Europe, one of the great virtues that they were talking about is gadlut adam, the greatness of man. Do you realize how great you are? Do you realize your capabilities? And many people don't. Many people don't realize how great they are. They think, ah, I'm a nothing. I'm a nothing. I can't do anything with my life. Look at me. I'm such a loser. We have to learn to build ourselves up and build other people up. You're amazing. You have unbelievable potential. Particularly as parents, we need to do that. Particularly as parents, we need to encourage our children and tell them. And it doesn't make a difference how old they are. They can be married with children. They could be grandparents as well. There's no human being on earth who doesn't want to feel good with a nice nice word. There's no human being who doesn't enjoy a compliment. Have every human being that we come in contact with feel how great they are. Make them feel good. Make them feel worthy. Make them feel great. You have unbelievable potential. That's our job in this trait of honor, to feel it for ourselves and to have the proper and due respect for others as well. That's the challenge of life. You know, this week we're going to celebrate Purim. Thursday is the fast of Esther. And Friday, Friday, Thursday night, Friday, is Purim. And what is the whole idea of Purim? Just yesterday in synagogue, we read, remember Amalek. Remember the Amalekites. 
what's this mitzvah to remember the Amalekites? Because Haman was also from Amalek. Okay, so therefore we read it. The idea is like this. Our sages tell us that each and every one of us have an Amalek within us. You know what Amalek is? Amalek is doubt. Maybe I can't. You're a Jew. You have infinite abilities. Infinite potential the Almighty gives us. You're doubting yourself? That's Amalek. The Jewish people leave Egypt. We're the untouchables. Who starts fighting with us? Amalek. The nation of Amalek. They throw doubt in the Jewish people. Oh, maybe, maybe it's not a good thing. Maybe we should go back to Egypt. They start throwing in doubt. When we doubt ourselves, when we doubt what we're capable of, when we doubt our potential, that's Amalek. That's the power of Amalek. And that's what we need to remember, to eradicate that doubt. We don't have to murder the The Torah commands us to murder them, but the idea is what we need to murder, the doubt. We need to completely eliminate doubt from our lives. I can do this. Have the Almighty by my side. That's part of the honor, the dignity that we're talking about here, is to have the proper understanding of how great we are and how great we can be. So that's honor. Just by the way, the Talmud says, we're already talking about a little bit about Purim, the mitzvah of Purim. We read the Megillah. We see the hand of Hashem in everything. But the Talmud says a very important thing, that a person is identified. If you want to know what a person is, who is a person? We can all make believe. You want to know who the real person is? There are three measures that you can tell who a person is. Bikiso, Bikoso, Bikaso. Kiso is his pocket. How is he with his money? Is he, is he a giver? Does he help poor people? Is he kind with his money? Or is he stingy? You can tell a lot. Is he honest in business? Is he fear in business? How is he with his pocket? Number two, because so, how is he when he is drunk? Look at a person when they're drunk and you'll find out who they are. You'll see if they're full, if they're enriched with Torah, if they're a real person or if they're an empty person. If they're a loving, kind person or if they're a mean, nasty person, you'll be able to see it when someone's drunk. They let off their guard. You're able to see what's inside. It says, The wine goes in, the secrets go out. You find who the real person is. And Picasso is the third. You see someone, you can de- define a person by their anger. How are they? Are they able to contain their anger? Now, all of these things rhyme. The names, the words rhyme. Kiso, koso, kaso. They're all things that contain, that have a limit. A pocket has a limit. A cup has a limit. Anger should have a limit as well. We say a kise is a chair. It also, these they, they hold something. They contain something in it. But you have to hold it in. Not spill it over. You have to be able to contain yourself. To maintain that dignity. 
they say about Rabbi Yisrael Salanta, the founder of the Muslim movement, when he was drunk on Purim, it was only one thing that came out of his mouth, and that was words of Torah. Words of Torah were overflowing from, were overflowing from his mouth. That's it, because that's what he was. He was a complete being of Torah. That's what's built out. If a person is a person of kindness, that's what will spill out when they're drunk. If the person is angry, that's what will spill out when they're drunk. If the person is loving, that's what will spill out when they're drunk. You're able to identify who the true person is. Let's continue to perform our daily lives, everything that we do, with a higher level of dignity. Let's carry ourselves properly. That doesn't mean that we start being arrogant. That doesn't mean that we try to show off. It means that we carry ourselves with the proper dignity that is due for someone of greatness. Imagine this. I'll tell you, I'll end off with this story. When I was in yeshiva, I said this story before, so please excuse me. When I was in yeshiva maybe 20, probably 25 years ago, I... I went to my rabbi, Rabbi Shlomo Arieli, and I said to him, I said to him, you know, I hit a rough patch. And, you know, I'm, I'm doubting myself. I'm da-. See, he said to me, he said to me, let, 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 he said, stop a second. He says, how many people are in the world alive today? Five billion, six billion, seven billion. Okay. How many of them are Jewish? 10 million? Maybe 10 million? 15 million? Okay, 15 million. How many of them are 17 years old? Okay. I don't know. You do the math. You divide it up, right? Whatever that number is. And how many of them have the great privilege to be sitting in a yeshiva and learning Torah? It's maybe 2,000? 5,000? 17 years or year olds sitting in yeshiva? Maybe 10,000? Imagine this, he said. Of 6 billion people on planet Earth, you're one of the few who's fortunate to sit and learn God's word. And you're sad. You're beating yourself up. You should be dancing on the rooftop. That You have the privilege to be one of the chosen few who are able to sit in yeshiva and learn Torah. It's a perspective. It's sometimes we don't value who we are. We don't realize the greatness, the abilities that we have. Hashem should bless us all that we should have the proper perspective of who we are, of our own greatness, so that we can have the proper dignity and honor for ourselves, and that should overflow to everyone around us. We should have the proper respect and dignity to everyone around us, whether it be our spouse, whether it be our children, our parents, our friends, our neighbors, our community, our congregation, our rabbis, our neighbors, whoever it is. Hashem should bless us to know and understand that we are the chosen. We are Ashabah Harbanu. God chose us. And for that, we need to feel the awesomeness, and the greatness of every single day. Thank you very much, everybody. I appreciate spending my Sunday mornings with all y'all. 
Have a magnificent week. You've been listening to the Jewish Inspiration Podcast, a Torch production. Become a supporter at torchweb.org because your assistance enables more Torah learning around the globe. To find more lessons offered by Torch, please visit torchpodcast.com.